Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The scripture reading for today is from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 7, beginning with the seventh verse. Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, much more will your Father in heaven give you good things for those who ask to him. In everything, do others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy, that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, friends, we come this morning to our fourth sermon in this series and church-wide book study that we've been doing together on Gary Moon's apprenticeship with Jesus, and people are participating. It's really been a great experience, I hope, for you and, and for us. It has been for me. And what we have been discovering over these last four weeks is that biblical discipleship is more than just believing a few things about Jesus. Biblical discipleship is about, and I've said this every week, it is about assimilating to ourselves, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, assimilating to ourselves the very manner and way of life of Jesus, letting Him, by grace, live His life in us. When we do this, two things happen. Uh, First, we will restore the image of God within us. We will become the people God actually created us to be. And then as we talked about last week, if we live like Jesus in this world, then we will just appear to be odd and very strange in the eyes of the predominant culture. Well, today I want us to consider for just a few moments another component of imitating Jesus. It's voluntary. Jesus does not force this on us. We can choose to take it or leave it, but it's there. But the other component of the imitation of Jesus is learning how to imitate his cross, his suffering. It's voluntary. We can choose it or not choose it. It is interesting, if you ever study the New Testament, you never find in the New Testament the commandment that we have to imitate Jesus in his poverty. The New Testament never calls us to imitate Jesus in his homelessness during the last months of his life. Nope. The New Testament never calls us to imitate even the Lord's itineracy, his moving around the region, preaching the good news. None of that. But on every, almost every page of the Gospels and the New Testament, we are all called, if we are serious, we are all called to imitate the Lord's cross. His sacrificial way of life. You cannot get away from this if you're serious about apprenticing with Jesus. 
What did Jesus say in our lesson this morning, the gospel? Let's think about this. Listen. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow, and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Most people presume nowadays to think Jesus said the exact opposite. Most people think Jesus said, well, the road is very wide that leads to life. Almost everybody gets there. Almost all dogs go to heaven. Very narrow is the path that leads to destruction. Jesus did not preach that. That is not before you today. Jesus said, the road to life is very difficult. And it's very hard. And the gate is narrow and few will make it through. Why? Because the gate of heaven, everyone, is shaped like a cross. And only those who choose to assume a cross-shaped way of life will be able to pass through. The gate of heaven is shaped in the form of a cross. Remember what we talked about last week? I brought this up in the podcast. I brought this up last week in the sermon. Remember what we talked about heaven? Like, heaven is a place that is radically conformed to the ways and the person of Jesus. Everyone who is in heaven has learned to love Christ's way of life, the values of Jesus in this life. Everybody in heaven has learned to love in this life our Lord's humility, our Lord's mercy, our Lord's chastity, our Lord's love of the will of God, our Lord's love of the praise and worship of God, all the values of Jesus. That's what they have learned to love. And if we want that heaven, the only heaven that Jesus offers then we have to learn to love the ways of Jesus. We have to learn to love his values and apprentice with him and therefore learn how to renounce our own pride, our own way of doing things for ourselves. And everybody, when you do that, when you try to renounce your own ego and your own pride, well, it hurts. It's painful. There's going to be some suffering involved. That's the cross-shaped way of life. Think about what Paul also writes in the, the New Testament. Notice that last verse there. It's on the, the first page of the lesson. One of my favorite passages in all the New Testament. Paul's like, ah, I'm, I'm just striving on. I want to keep going. But what does Paul say, that last sentence, first page? He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Good. I want to know Christ. I hope you want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. But then what does Paul say? He also wants to know the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like Christ. There it is, everybody. By becoming like him in his death. How do you and I become like Christ in his death? By dying to ourselves 
and by wanting God's will more than our own. And that is going to require some costs. It reminds me of uh, Catherine of Siena, one of the great minds of the church. She lived in the Middle Ages, but Catherine of Siena reminds me of what she said. She says it's the difference between a mercenary love of Jesus versus a more perfect love of Jesus. What does she mean by that? What she meant by a mercenary love for Jesus. She says this is the love of Jesus for self-interested reasons. It's like we want to be Christians so we can get to heaven. Or we want to know Jesus so that we can have a religious experience and the feelings of consolation, all of those things. But it's primarily a love for Christ for the self. And that's fine. That's fine, she says. If you are a beginner, nothing wrong with that. If you're just beginning in the faith. But then she says, we ought to be maturing and developing in our love for Christ. And as we mature and develop, we should be cultivating within ourselves what she calls a more perfect love of Christ. And this is a love for Jesus that is willing to risk all the costs, that's willing to sacrifice everything, that loves Jesus not for my sake, but that loves Jesus for his sake because Jesus is so beautiful and I want to follow him no matter what the costs are involved. And she says, if you want a more perfect love of Christ, if you want to be conformed to him, then what Jesus will do, and you can choose to do it or not, but if you want to be perfected in the love of Christ, then, then what Jesus will do is he will send to you various trials various crosses in your life, and if you accept these periods of trial and suffering and hardship and not resist them, what we tend to do is we resist them. No! She says what will happen is that you will become more and more conformed, configured to Jesus on the cross, because Jesus on the cross is right there in stained glass, everyone. That's what we're called to imitate. That's what his way of life looks like in this world. Don't resist them. Become more conformed to Christ on the cross. And this happens through the various trials that the Lord will send our way in our own life. I don't know where I heard this. It was an analogy. I can't take credit for it. But uh, you can imagine like a, a, a large block of marble. You know the stone marble? Like a marble stone. Just imagine a large block of marble. And then imagine a sculptor coming to this large block of marble and chipping away at it and sandblasting this marble. Well... For a period of time, I'm sure all the chipping and sandblasting uh, to the marble itself seems like a great injustice. This is terrible. But after a period of time, after all this chipping and sandblasting, what has the sculptor done? The sculptor has created something beautiful. That's, that's to be conformed to Christ once we accept the various hardships of life. Let me just say this, though. Uh, before I wrap, wrap things up, you know, none of us should like seek suffering for itself. I mean, that's not what we're talking about here. I mean, suffering by itself is a terrible thing. It's an evil. God only wills directly what is good for us. He only wills the good, but God does permit. You see this all over the scriptures. God does permit various trials in our life, and, and these trials, when they come to us, if we don't resist them, what they can do is they can teach us that, wait a minute, I'm not in control of my life. I thought I was. I'm not in control. And we can rely more and more 
from the grace of God and God's providence in our lives. It was one of the great saints of the church. His name is Philip Neri, N-E-R-I. I love his prayer. He would, he would pray this prayer every so often. He would say, I thank thee, O God, that things are not going as I should like them to. <laughs> I thank you, Lord, that things are not going as I should like them to. Why? Because it's not about me. This is about God. And my friends, if, if Jesus is really in it, there's a cross in it too, somewhere. Here's the point. Think about it. Love in this life is proved, refined, and perfected in the crucible of sacrifice. Who loves the country more? A civilian or a soldier willing to sacrifice everything for the country? You see the difference? Who loves Jesus more? An admirer of the Lord's ways? Well, that's interesting. Or, or someone willing to sacrifice everything for the love of Christ. Love in this life is always proved in its willingness to lay everything down for it. That's how love is shaped in this world. I was thinking over the last couple of weeks, I've talked to the clergy about this. They're probably getting tired of me bringing her up. Um, but I thought over the last couple of weeks about one of the martyrs of the church. Her name was Agnes. Maybe you've heard of St. Agnes. She was uh, executed as a martyr in the second century. So during Roman times in the second century, here's what's mind-blowing about Agnes. She was about 12 or 13 years old. And what happened, according to the story, is that someone outed her as a Christian during the days when the Roman emperor had outlawed Christianity. And she was outed, and some soldiers came up to her and gave her every opportunity to recant her faith. And I'll tell you, if I were 12 or 13 years old, I would have recounted and recanted. Gave her every opportunity to recant her faith, and she refused to do it. She refused to recount her love for Christ. And the soldier in front of, the, of everybody took a sword and put her to death. Twelve or thirteen years old. And I think about Agnes, this child... And then I think about us and the ease and convenience with which you and I live the Christian faith. I mean, we go around thinking, oh, you know, I can have the best of both worlds. I can have all the luxuries this world has to offer. I can have all the comforts money can buy. I can, I can make a life for myself and make it the way I want to, and Jesus is going to be fine with that. I can worship God when it's convenient. I don't really need to sacrifice anything. God grades on the curve. All dogs basically go to heaven. Jesus isn't really serious in our lesson today. And I wonder what little Agnes would say to the churches today. The only disciples 
who were with Jesus on his cross. Maybe you can see some of them. The only disciples who were with him were Mary, his mother, Mary Magdalene, a couple of other women, and the beloved disciple. The other disciples took off when the suffering came. They later repented. They became martyrs themselves. Here's my thought. I want to be a beloved disciple of Jesus. I hope you want to be a beloved disciple of Jesus. But if we want to be beloved disciples of Jesus, we have to learn to love the cross. And to be willing to risk the sacrifice, the shame, the embarrassment, or anything else that may come to us for the love of our Savior. You know, Lent, Jim mentioned this, Lent's coming up, what, in 10 days? 10 days it'll be Ash Wednesday. Here's what I want you to do. Here's my encouragement. Do something difficult this Lent. Do something you don't want to do. Do it consistently, over and over. Do what you do not want to do. Why? Because we need to feel our love for Christ. And and love in this world demands some sacrifice. Do something difficult for Jesus. And I'm not saying, oh, well, this is earning our way to heaven. I'm not saying any of that. I don't even need to intend that. I mean, do something that you can feel. Because what you're going to discover is that when you sacrifice anything for Jesus and really feel it, you never lose it. Whatever you are willing to sacrifice for Christ in this life, Jesus will only give back to you a hundredfold. A hundredfold more in this life and in the life to come.